main activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of season three of the Erie Americas here in Erie October. This is your host, Christy Hall. I'm really sad that you said all of that. This is Vicky Ayala, by the way. I'm just actually, I'm really sad that this is our. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> Christy knows I hate dolls. It's like as I'm talking and getting emotional, I look up and she's holding a fucking doll to the screen. You're trying to kill me in our last episode. This is the Halloween episode. I had to scare you a little bit. As a point of reference, everyone, I'm holding up a glass porcelain doll, and everyone knows we've done a doll episode. Vicky and I are not comfortable with dolls. I don't like dolls. They're creepy, and my heart is in my ass. <laughs> my sister and brother-in-law thought it would be hilarious to greet me in London with a vintage UK doll named Abigail. So this is Abigail, Abigail, Vicky. And first of all, I feel like every... Every ghost from, like, a really long time ago is named Abigail. This is how I decided she's going to sound. Hello, Ricky. No. First of all, I'm just going to put it out there once again because we probably haven't said this in season one. Porcelain dolls are not pretty, they're not cute, and they are not an appropriate gift. This was a hilarious joke because of the podcast. But I said of all dolls, she's the least creepy looking one. Like she's actually kind of cute. But like her eyes, they like, they're just, they, I, they're burning holes into my face. Like I can't look at it. I lost my train of thought and my heart is in my butt because Christy decided. Halloween to prank. Woo. I wonder if that was the first recorded one That's for it. Halloween. The episode is over, guys. I'm done. No more. But I didn't mean to get you out of the emotional element. I just wanted this to be a surprise. I'm definitely not emotional now. I'm just fucking... But as our regular audience, or if you're listening randomly for this episode, thanks for checking us out. But we um, usually go a little past October, but for season three, this is going to be our finale. We are taking an indefinite hiatus while Vicky becomes a grown-up and gets a grown-up job (laughs) and uh you know we got to take some time for ourselves and we're gonna miss the hell out of you but i promise we have every intention of resuming this oh we already have some like episodes we have have episodes like it's definitively happening guys don't worry i told christy that first of all it was awful writing this episode there was a lot of pressure to have the last episode not only before the hiatus but have the last eerie october episode and since we're bi-weekly I only had one episode and I got to tell you that I had like a mental breakdown trying to figure out what to write for you guys. I have, I literally started seven different cases, creeped myself out. I pulled the creepiest of the creepy, but then at one point I had too many cases. I had 15 pages of cases for you guys. So what I did was I just extracted some and I have a whole episode ready to go for when we come back. But I did have to point out how awful it was because I didn't want to disappoint. I didn't want to make so I was she like, scared herself to scare you guys. Yeah, I didn't have an. I don't have an opportunity to make up for it in my next episode. So um, I, I, I really tried my best to pick stuff that I maybe hadn't read something similar yet or that was just super creepy. But the amount of fucking pressure to write this case and mind you, I had extra time because Christy was across the pond. The extra time did not help me. It actually gave me more time to freak out. I think I wrote two extra cases while you were away 
because I had I think you did mention that to me briefly. I did. Yeah, I did. I was Mm. like, I'm writing extra stuff because you left me and now I have extra (laughs) time. And so naturally I have written seven different so, like, there's, like, seven starts of episodes from when we come back. Exactly. You have six ready. Like, they're, they're in the <laughs> yeah. holster, you know? Yep. But I have a quick question for you. Oh, Just no. out of curiosity, what has been, like, the case for you that out of the three seasons has always kind of stuck or haunted you? Okay. So, I have two. One was mine and one was yours. Okay. Of your episodes, the one that you did with the MTA and the subways, like, oh, yeah. the, that, you know that that one fucked with me real hard, and I had to get drunk to get through it. So that episode will stick with me. It was also one of the last episodes we recorded before you moved, so it, like, is a memory for me to be in your old apartment, super drunk. That episode freaked me the fuck out. The, one of my episodes that I think affected me, and I think everybody knows which one I'm going to say, was my first Ouija board episode, because that freaked Christy out, because she was drunk by the end of that episode. That was my worst episode for you, yeah, too, Yeah, so for sure. I know that that was the one that freaked you out the most, and that is the one I have, I think that's one of our most listened to episodes to date, and the one that I have been told by several of our listeners that, like, they loved our episodes, there's certain episodes that are their favorite, like content wise like learning wise but creep factor that one I think was a really big one and like one of our big you know biggest supporters which is a friend of ours listened to it on like a bus coming home from a trip in the dark and he I'm pretty sure that that episode still traumatizes him he is a guidance counselor and uh, his school has like a, a class that they do for mystery horror and paranormal which I think is awesome and he asked me to speak at it and one of the the administrator was like oh you know so my students can listen to some of your episodes of your podcast to like know what you're about what episodes would you recommend and that was literally the first episode that he said and that I said, because it's just, if you want to, if you want to get creeped out easily, listen to that because Christy was creeped out in the middle of the day. Like there was no lights off. It wasn't even dark. It was like four. Yeah. I was like day drunk. Cause I had to get it through was, it that it was, Yeah. She was day drunk because of that episode. So that, those would be my two. And you already told us that that was your one. That, yeah, for sure. And it was in the first season. So who would have known? I was like, you know, I feel like there's been so many, so many good, good episodes, like so well researched, but creep factor wise. Those two. Gotcha. For sure. All right. Yeah, I just was curious. So, all right. So let me get into something I found on myghoststory.com. It drew me right in because, you know, it's it's an area we all get creeped out about or are fascinated by. Thank God I have lights on because it is nighttime. This is like the perfect recipe for a ghost story right now because it's super cold in New York today. And it's cold here too. And it's cold in Denver, so I'm sitting here in my little sweater, and I'm freezing, and I'm in a little room, and I did not have the light on when I first logged in, and I'm like, I feel like I'm going to need to put my light on. Spooky autumn chills, for sure. The title says, 300-year-old cemetery. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go here. In 2014, I moved to Rio Rico, Arizona. I was intrigued by this abandoned cemetery near my home. See, some people are intrigued. I would be like, hell to the no, I'm never going there. That would literally be the reason I don't move there. Yeah, I wouldn't buy that (laughs) house. I'd be like, no, I'm good. I researched it and found it was established in 1756 as La Misión de Calabazas de Cayetano. Apache attacks forced the missionaries to abandon the mission. In 1865, the U.S. Army took over the former mission as a post, Fort Mason, Arizona Territory, to protect stagecoach trade routes, protecting against the Confederacy, and to monitor the French Army in Mexico just a few miles away. Within a six-month period between 1865 and 1866, 40 soldiers died of malaria. 
Persistent Apache attacks led the depleted soldiers to abandon their post and go back to San Francisco. What I liked about this, too, was all the history, because this clearly shows this person is passionate about this. Right. So I found that really interesting. Like, he's already drawn to it so much that he can, ref- like, spit off all these facts. In 1906, the Army sent a regiment to exhume the soldiers for transfer to the National Cemetery in San Francisco. Due to confusion, only 30 bodies were moved. I visited and found it totally overgrown and completely impassable. The day I decided to use all my spare time, chainsawing tree branches and clearing the whole cemetery. I did this completely on my own. Four years had passed and I'm still cleaning it. I'm in the process of getting funding to continue my project as the property is owned by the state. The first day I was there though, I was looking over my shoulder the whole day. But when it came time to leave, as I walked by my walking to my truck, my back window exploded. I don't know a lot of exploding windows. Right. You know, that, that takes some effort. It's uh, I took it as they didn't want me there. Nevertheless, I continued to begin to feel more welcome as the days went by. I keep a voice generator on the whole time in there and have had back and forth conversations at times. I've taken many videos, photos, have captured orbs, light anomalies, shadow balls, which that's a new one, smoke, and the voice of a child saying mom in Spanish. I also on one occasion had a physical touch where the child's voice was captured. I hear voices and footsteps right beside me every day, and the word generator says near, beside, or behind. I'm sure my videos and photographs contain evidence I've overlooked, although most of the experience have been very positive. There have been some scary situations. I'll continue to clean the cemetery whether I get assistance or not, though. No. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought that no, was sir. a nice uh, creep factor. That is factor. very creepy. My heart is back in my ass. And that's actually <laughs> a perfect segue into what I'll be talking about. So this whole episode is just creepy. Let's do it. Please. I don't, I'm not intrigued by cemeteries. As much as I'm into paranormal and I'm into dark shit and I'm super morbid, I'm one of the, I don't know, I don't, I don't dig cemeteries. Like, I feel like that's just like, Christy and I have said it from the first season and we will say it right now on our last episode for a while don't go looking for shit. We don't go looking for shit. Going to a cemetery is going to look for shit. Leave the people there resting in peace. They can't rest in peace if you're constantly bothering them. That's that's just something I it's like always bothered me by like people, especially this time of year, that think it's cool to like hang out in cemeteries and throw parties. Me personally, let the let the people rest in peace. Leave them alone. You can do creepy shit somewhere else. It'll trust me. Creep factors are everywhere. My final case that I'm going to do for you guys, uh, I stuck to our our roots, basically, and that the Ouija board episode kind of was the inspiration behind this, and I just found a bunch of fucking creepy stories that people wrote on Reddit. So I have three for you. The first one is short, and I almost took it out, but there's just something about this case that, like, stuck with me. Maybe it's because of my age or the fact that most of my friends are from when I went to high school, but I think maybe Christy will, 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 will think it too. There's something about this short little case that like kind of is sticking with me and I had to keep it in. So this case is titled, it was good to see an old friend. When I was 37, I went to my high school reunion. I flew into the nearest airport and rented a car. The distance was about 35 miles through a very rural and almost abandoned part of the country, which now I get why you moved. About three miles outside of town, I see someone on the side of the road flagging me down. It turned out that it was one of the guys I attended high school with. Jim, not his name, that's a fake name, gets in the car and we just start talking. Jim is a good fake name. Yeah, it is a good fake name. I had not seen him in 20 years, but he still looked the same, maybe a little older. 
We get to town and I ask him if he wants to come to the VFW and have a drink. He says, no, just take me home. Jim's parents had lived only a few blocks from, from my grandmother's house and I turned in that direction, but he said to take him to the outskirts of town. There was a mobile home park out there and I figured that this is where he lived. When we reached the end of the turnoff, he said, just drop me here. It was good to see you again. And he walks off into the night. I go to the VFW, met some of my old classmates, and we start to talk. I'm going to guess the VFW is like a bar. Uh, VFW is uh, where veterans go to hang out. It's like a, it's like a club, like a veterans club. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. As we are talking about who was coming to the reunion, I mentioned that I had just picked Jim up three miles east of town and had dropped them off. Everyone gets quiet. Even the guy singing karaoke stops and lays down the mic. My cousin gets, goes white as a new t-shirt. Barb, Jim died on that curve eight years ago. Rolled his car. We were all at his funeral, I was told. I started to feel really dizzy, and I went out to the car to take some deep breaths. There on the seat is a local newspaper printed eight years previous containing Jim's obituary. I still have the paper. No. So he left the obit for him? Like, in case you didn't know, I died? What the actual fuck? See, it was short, but, like, there's no way I could leave that story out. Like, that is just... Mm-mm, I'm good. No, thanks. It's like, he didn't tell That's you that That's not he a died, nice visit. He... Nope. Right. So it's like, are you sure it was good? Like, I feel like no. that was, that was kind of mean, Was Jim. that sarcastic? You're a, You're a mean ghost, Jim. No, the storyteller's kind of mean for making it seem like, hey, that was good to see you. That was a Jim Halpert move, my friend. That really was. Jim is a perfect name to call that person. <laughs> but yes, that's the first one. So now, the next one, as you guys also, anybody who has listened to us from the beginning, or maybe not even the beginning, just a few episodes, knows that Christy and I constantly tell you guys, please stop fucking with Ouija boards. Yep. Everybody, stop messing with them. So of course, naturally, I had to throw in a story about a Ouija board, because I had to. Yeah. And what is the title of this story? Never play with the Ouija board. Says the person who played with the Ouija board. So you know this is true. Right. So this is why, like, I haven't played with the Ouija board and I'm telling you not to play with it. But this is coming from someone who played with the Ouija board and they're telling you not to fucking play with the Ouija board. This story happened in October of 2004, back when I was still a third year high school student, which means they're around Christy and I's age because in 2004, we graduated from high school. So they're around the same age. But also means that in 2004, they were probably 16 or 17. (laughs) My friends and I stuck around the school late at night after our annual Halloween party. We had agreed to try out my friend's Ouija board. It wasn't the brightest idea, but we needed a thrill. And I gotta tell you, there's like a million ways you can have a thrill at 16. In an empty school? Come on. Why don't you go like TP it or, I don't know. This is the beginning of every horror slasher film. Like, Like, do something normal. Like, go break into the computer lab and change your height. See, this is what happens when you live in these small towns where there's nothing for teenagers to do. in New York, they probably would have done something high-techy, like changed their grades or something stupid or stolen liquor from their parents' liquor cabinet and just gotten drunk like normal kids. (gasps) Hold on, Lena's barking. I mean, it wouldn't be an episode without Lena barking, right? No. Um, And like the fact that it's Halloween, I will always tell you not to play with the Ouija board, but I will definitely tell you not to mess with one on Halloween. That's like, like, what is wrong with you? But anyway... We found a spot under a huge narrow tree, which I don't know what that is, but a huge narrow tree and proceeded with our half-ass rituals. So they didn't even like full-ass it. They half-assed it, which is even worse. There were five of us. In true teenage fashion. like Right. Like they can't, you can't do anything properly. You have to half-ass everything as a 16-year-old. There were five of us, two boys and three girls, and we were all expecting some kind of paranormal contact, which, duh, that's what you fucking use a Ouija board for. Rumors had it our school was haunted, but we've never really experienced anything firsthand, and it was Halloween when all the spirits come out to play. We all wanted to get spooked. Again, guys, again, the spirits supposedly roam around on Halloween. You don't need a Ouija board. Just saying. 
Also, we've never seen a Ouija board firsthand before, so we were pretty excited. Our school was an old Spanish colonial house. We have talked about this before. Anything from the fucking 1800s in a colonial house is haunted. It just is. So their school was an old Spanish colonial house built in the 1800s when the Spaniards, like, still occupied pretty much everything. We were in a section of the school that doesn't get used often. Located beside a creepy old Jesuit house, people only go there when they needed to use the restroom, store equipment on one of the sheds, or make out with their boyfriends or girlfriends. Good spot. We sat down in the middle of an open space with only an exposed bare bulb nearby illuminating the surroundings. We were all having a laugh, scaring each other with what-if scenarios. Because, you know... You know, if you needed to be spooked, why didn't you just spook each other like that? Like, why did right. you have to the Ouija board? It was your typical dumb kids doing dumb things. My friend who brought the Ouija board proceeded to place it in the middle of our circle. If I remember correctly, it was the glow-in-the-dark version, which we found hilarious. Yes, it's hilarious that the it's Ouija like glow board in the glowing dark. in the dark. That's what makes it a joke is that it's glowing in the dark. It has nothing to do with what its potential is. It's, right. It's because it's glowing in the dark. It's a joke. Not because you're about to contact spirits on Halloween. It's because it's glow in the dark. Um, but it gave us the ability to see what was written in the dark. Not knowing what to do and going after what we've seen in the movies, we all proceeded to place our index finger on top of the planchette. We sat there looking at each other until one of us said, what's next? We didn't know if there was a proper way to start the ritual, plus the board didn't come with instructions, so we decided to just throw in a question. Is anyone there? I called out into the darkness. If there are spirits living here, please talk to us, one of the girls joined in. We clearly had no idea what we were doing. Still, nothing. Not even the slightest bit of wind. One of my friends jerked the planchette and the girl who brought the Ouija board screamed, breaking the silence. We all laughed at how ridiculous it was. After a bit of joking around, we decided to give it another go. We placed our index fingers on the planchette once more and asked, If anyone's there, we would like to make contact. Don't break the circle, one of my friends jokingly said. Shut up, I whispered. We were just about ready to give up when the wind started to pick up. The stillness broke and the darkness around us seemed to move. Just a coincidence, we thought. Right, because you're doing a Ouija board for the second time and you thought the wind was a fucking coincidence. Right. Okay, don't break the circle, I yelled out. Is anyone there? I was excited. It was like a scene from a movie with dirt and dead leaves swirling around us. Guys, I'm scared, my friend said beside me. She said, my mom warned me about playing with forces we don't know. Yet you still sat in a circle with people playing with the Ouija board. Like, I don't understand this. This is the teenage thought process. Like, right, exactly. In the making. So, Oh, my mm-hmm. mom told me not to do this and I'm going to wait until I'm doing it to get scared of it. Okay. They keep asking you questions, though. Did you die here? Were you killed during the war? Are you a headless priest that roams these halls? So, still joke questions. (laughs) Right. No, the next one's better. Are you a hottie? My friend giggled. At this point, we were all throwing random stupid questions. Nothing. This is bullshit. I don't want to do this anymore, my friend said, exasperated. We were all thinking the same. Just then, a group of dogs from the neighboring house started barking at us through the chain link fence. These six dogs were growling and showing teeth. Mm -mm, No. We all... Exactly. We all screamed and without finishing the ritual, bolted right out of there. We didn't see each other until after Halloween break, and this is when the story gets creepy. One of the girls told us about a weird experience she had the night after playing with the Ouija board. She had gotten home late after hanging out with her friends from the neighborhood when she realized she forgot the keys to her house. So she called her brother up, who was then still sharing a room with her, and what he said crept the hell out of her. He swore she was already home. He claimed to have seen her walk in a while ago, and that she looked really tired and saw her head straight to bed. Creepy, but no need to freak ourselves out was all we thought. Yeah, I'm okay. sorry. No if, need to freak. If my brother swore who shares a room with me, he saw me go inside the house. 
I'd be like, what the actual fuck was that? What are you talking right. about? I would absolutely 100% be freaking myself out. Okay. Besides, her brother must have just been tired and seeing things. I think I know what my brother and my sister look like. I'm just saying. No matter how tired I am, I know what they yeah, look like. Yeah, I know shapes and faces. Okay. But then my other friend started telling us about an encounter she had that Halloween night. She was going up to her room when the lights started flickering as she was ascending the staircase. Your typical horror movie visuals Mm -hmm. shrugged it off to a faulty wiring like every other fucking horror movie. But then she just saw the door to her room open and a dark figure stepped out and stood atop of her staircase. She couldn't make out the entity's face, but she recounted that she couldn't move and felt utter dread as the figure stared down at her. No way, my best friend, who just joined in the conversation, said in disbelief. Something happened to me as well. He recalled that he was sleeping one night when he woke up feeling really uncomfortable. He described his vision as having TV-like static and a feeling of heaviness surrounded him. He looked around the room, and that's when he saw a bloody charred face with piercing red eyes grinning at him through the window. I couldn't believe what I was hearing because I had an almost run-in with death that night. After the ritual, I was sleeping in our sedan on the way home after fooling around with the Ouija board when I felt our car jerk. I woke up instantly. Looking out the window, I found out that we had been hit by a huge oil tanker. I panicked and leapt out of the car. Luckily, my mom and I survived the crash since the front of the car was the total wreck, so that sounded like a miracle. I still don't have an explanation why those things happened to us, but thank God nothing happened after that. I never played or gotten near a Ouija board ever since. I have an explanation for you because you play with the fucking Ouija board on Halloween. And it also, it's interesting how everybody had a different weird experience. It's not like one person experienced one thing and they're all like shrugged it off. Like each one got something equally creepy, but very different, you know? Right. And it wasn't like, let's say an entity decided to scare every single person in that circle. One person almost died. One person saw an entity on the stairs. Another one saw it outside their window. Like they had different experiences, I guess, depending on how badly it like messed with them i just think it's funny that to the end he's like i don't have an explanation and i'm like there is an explanation it's just not one that's that you want and to accept where they also fucked up a lot they didn't the number one thing people do if you're gonna fuck with the ouija board is end this session yeah and you, you have to end it you didn't end it and like you literally have an, an open, open session. yeah you have an open realm right now so if you guys are listening some magically somehow Close the realm. Like, that's what I Right, because that's the thing is that I'm pretty sure that whoever wrote this story has probably had more experience going on since 2004. They just sound like a mega denier, so it's easy to just, like, ignore it. You have to end the session or you'll continue to have those experiences. And you're also risking anybody who walks back there unintentionally getting something attached to them. Crazy. We are going to reiterate for the millionth time on this podcast in our episode, please stop fucking with Ouija boards. We appreciate it. And now my last story. This one's kind of long. It is called Fran and Jock. I was the last in a long line of grandkids on both sides of the family. No one has ever said as much, but I'm pretty sure I was an oops baby. The result of one too many glasses of wine and a couple over 40 who thought unplanned pregnancies were for teens. We all, I, I feel like we all have a friend that's an oops baby. I have, I have like three that are oops babies. I have at least three or four that I can think of <laughs> yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Mm-hmm. By the time I came along, both of my grandmothers had already passed away and my grandfathers were elderly and lived in different states, which happens when your parents are over 40. Trying to coordinate travel plans for a family of five, including an infant, was difficult on a budget and neither of my grandpas were up to frequent trips, so visits were rare and spaced out over long periods. 
Still, both of my parents wanted me to have a relationship with them, so we trained phone calls so they could hear my nonsensical baby babble. They'd write me letters from mom and dad to read to me, and they'd get crayon scribbles in return. When I was three, they both started to experience declines in health. First, my maternal grandpa, then my paternal one. Fearing the worst, mom purchased a pair of teddy bears, the kind that had recorders in them so you could record a message that would play when the bear was hugged and made sure to get a message saved from both, which I think is a super cute and very good idea. My mom's father died when I was four. A few days after his funeral, I was given a white teddy bear with bright blue eyes that twinkled from beneath a plaid flat cap and a green sweater. When I gave it a squeeze, I heard my grandpa's slightly muffled voice from its stomach. I love you, Sadie. Two years later, after dad's father passed, I got the other one. It was a slate gray color, and a stitching on its face gave him a rather serious expression for a stuffed animal. A pair of red suspenders held up his tan trousers. I fell asleep hugging it, and my dad told me some years later, with tears in his eyes, that randomly throughout the night he kept hearing Grandpop's voice coming from my room. I love you, Sadie. I named my white bear Fran and my gray bear Jock and put them on a shelf above my bed, where they sat throughout my childhood, which I think is kind of weird because if they're after your grandparents i feel like maybe you should have just named him after your grandparents but overactive yeah, imagination kids, kids, are, kids are stupid so whatever sorry guys you know what? y'all know i don't like kids i'm not even gonna put some title <laughs> honestly i didn't give them much thought they had become fixtures of my room the same way the lamp and dresser were every now and again i'd come home from school to find one of my parents standing beside my bed looking up at the bears or giving them a little squeeze every even as time passed they still recited their single phrase without fail which i think is also good for the parents as much as it was for the Absolutely. kid i would Literally give anything to have something with my mom's voice on it. I would. Aside from those instances, though, Fran and John were little more than dust collectors from my childhood, which, again, happens when you're a kid and you get something like that. I don't think you really appreciate it when you're that young. When I went away to college, the two didn't make the cut and were left behind while I made my way out into the world for the first time. I think my parents were a little disappointed that I wasn't more sentimental over the teddies, but any memories I had of my grandpa were hazy at best, and I didn't have the same emotional connections that they did, which, again... They were four. Right. Four and like six when they died. So I understand. When mom gently asked about whether I would like them when I moved into my first apartment, I told her no, that they were probably better off with her. Okay, she said. Well, they'll be here if you change your mind. I was pretty confident I wouldn't. The next time I went to my parents' place was to house it while dad took mom on their long-awaited vacation out west. He had been promising her they'd go for over 30 years and they were both buzzing with excitement. Typical mom fashion, however, she was also very nervous. You remember where all the financial documents are in case anything happens to us, right? She asked in the back seat at least six times on the drive to the airport. Yes, in the white bin under your bed. And the wills, fireproof lockbox in the back of your closet. And, you know, just the typical mom questions. I think she's got it, hun, Dad said, reaching back to give her knee a squeeze. Just call if you need anything. I'll be fine. You're going away for a week. I remember this. My parents went away when I was younger. My sister, they would leave my sister with two kids. And I remember these conversations every time they left and we'd be like, you're leaving for a week, not a month. Relax. Um, A lot can happen in a week, she said, which was also very true because something almost always happened every time my parents left us, even for a night. (laughs) One night, one night when I was, I believe like seven, because my brother had to be like four. My sister was watching us and I'll never forget this. It's how traumatizing it was. My brother tripped I'm going to say he tripped over my foot. I really don't want to accept that I intentionally tripped my brother, but it it is possible. Mm -hmm. And the way he fell, he fell on the edge of the table and had literally a hole in the middle of his head. And we had to take him to the hospital to close it up. 
I still maintain that he tripped by accident. I will not admit that I tripped him on purpose, but it is. I feel like evil little Vicky definitely tripped him. (laughs) I I definitely did. And I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry, Botch. I mean, it's been 30 years. I think you forgive me. I almost killed my brother. So the fact that they're true, a lot can happen in one night. A lot can happen in a week. I grinned at her in the rearview mirror unconcerned and she made a face at me, but seemed to relax. After I dropped them off, I dropped. I drove back to their place and just started to make myself at home again. Tossed my suitcase on the bed, went to the kitchen to make some dinner, catch up on my shows. It had been a while since I'd had a true, completely free week all to myself, and I planned to take full advantage of it. After I ate, kicked up my feet, stretched out, and commenced lazy mode. I managed to get almost three episodes in before I started to nod off. I checked the clock over the TV. It was only just after 11. Was I really turning that old, early-to-bed woman already? The answer is yes, because yes. I text... <laughs> I am in bed very, I mean, I don't necessarily fall asleep early, but I'm telling you right now, I am ready for bed at like nine o'clock. And especially now that it gets dark so early, the minute it gets dark, I'm like, oh, almost time for bed. Mind you, it's like six o'clock. So yes, you are that old. Yes. I rolled off the couch, shut off the TV and the lights, plunging the house into deep darkness. Even the inky black, I didn't even feel a twinge of nervousness. I grew up in the house. I knew it like the back of my hand. I knew all the creaks. That's fair. You know, I made my way to my room, flipped on the light. It had been at least five years since I lived there, but my parents hadn't done much to change my room except store a few bits and stuff in the closet. They said it was so I'd know I'd always have a place with them, which is super sweet because I'm pretty sure the moment that I left my parents' house, they turned it into something else. Um, I thought it was because changing would make the fact that I was out for good more real, which is probably true with most parents. Um... Whatever the reason, like, it's kind of comforting. Like they said, like they said, it's comforting. It's like you're familiar with your room. As I started to unpack my bag, my eye was drawn to the shelf over my bed. Fran and Jock, ever vigilant, were sitting in the same spots they'd occupied for most of my life. I don't know why, but I couldn't help but smile and reach out to them. I took Fran down first and gave his little cap a tweak before squeezing him around his stomach. (gasps) Not Lena Burke. (laughs) I love you, Sadie, Grandpa said. After putting Fran back, I did the same to Jock. I love you, Sadie. It was the first time I listened to them in a while. Even if they didn't resonate as deeply with me as they did to my parents, I was glad to find the recording still worked. Quick trip to the bathroom, change it to my PJs. I was falling fast asleep. I can't say exactly what woke me. A nightmare, I figured, given that my heart was beating quite quickly, but I couldn't remember any details, which I fucking hate, too. Like, I hate... I hate when, when I, wake, I Yeah, when you wake up and you're panicked and you can't remember why. Right, and you know that you had a bad dream, but you can't remember a single detail from the dream is, mm-hmm. I hate it. I took a deep breath, rolled over, already falling asleep again, and found myself face-to-face with the dark figure on my pillow beside me. I yelped and sat up, grabbing at my phone, my nearest source of light, and shined it towards my bed. Fran was laying on his side beside me. I let out a small chuckle and gave myself a little shake to dismiss the lingering fright that he'd caused and picked him up. Did you fall off the shelf? I asked him quietly. I must have put him back too close to the edge earlier and it just fell over. I gave Fran a little squeeze. Get out. I stared at the bear and blinked once very slowly. I must have been more sleepy than I realized I thought I was hearing things. To prove to myself that had just been my imagination, I squeezed him again. Get out. What the fuck? It was still my grandpa's voice, but instead of the soft warmth it had always had, it sounded cold, almost menacing. I threw Fran across the room where he hit the wall. From over my head, I heard grandpa's voice. I heard grandpa's more gravely voice. Get out. I whipped around and looked up at Jock. He was sitting in the same place as always, but now he was turned towards the door instead of facing forwards. 
had I put him down like that, I couldn't remember. Get out, Grandpa's voice came from Fran again, louder this time. Get out, Grandpa echoed from Jock, so now both Both bears are saying get get out. out. Yep. The two went back and forth, their voices getting louder and louder until I slapped my hands over my ears and leapt from my bed. I wanted to scream, but my voice was stuck behind my fear. I stumbled across my dark room, chased by my long, dead grandfather's voices. I know you're down there, Jock shouted with Grandpop's voice. I froze. Down there? Down under the shelf? I glanced over my shoulder at the gray bear staring silently down from over my bed. I had to get out of my room. I had to get out of the house. I yanked open my door. I see you, Fran said in Grandpop's voice. I was halfway out into the hall, tears streaming down my face. I didn't know what was happening. Was I going crazy? Was I dreaming? All I knew was that my two childhood toys were screaming threats at me and I had to get away from them. I turned towards the stairs. You take one more step. I'll make sure it's your last, Jock bellowed. Get out, friend roared. From somewhere downstairs, a step creaked. Someone else was in the house. They weren't yelling at me at all. I realized with a very strange mix of confusing relief and newly formed horror, they were yelling at the intruder who was making their way upstairs towards me. Get out, my grandfather's howled together. Footsteps clamored across the wood floor downstairs. Something fell over in the living room with a loud crash and again in the kitchen before the back door slammed against the counter as it was thrown open and a car engine rubbled to life. Somehow, I regained my wits enough to run to my parents' room and look out the window to the driveway below. An SUV was peeling backwards out into the street. It slammed into the neighbor's mailbox, righted itself, and then screeched off into the night. A heavy quiet had fallen over the house again. After waiting a few long, tense minutes, I crept back across the hall and peeked into my room. Fran and Jock were where I left them, both completely silent. When they stayed that way, I hesitantly approached Fran, who was lying on his side with his little flat cat beside him. I picked him up and with trembling fingers squeezed his stomach. I love you, Sadie, Grandpa said warmly. I put his cat back on his head and gently put him back on the shelf beside Jock and backed out of the room, watching them the whole time with wide eyes. As I rounded the corner, heading downstairs to the phone, I heard Grandpa's voice trailing after me. I love you, Sadie. The police arrived a bit later, following my friend to call a 911. I filed the report, leaving out the bit about my talking bears and allowed them to collect whatever evidence they could. Every so often, I found myself glancing at the stairs, almost like I was expecting a repeat of whatever had just happened. and never came, and the cops wrapped it up, leaving me alone again. When I called my parents to tell them about the break-in, they immediately wanted to rush home, but I assured them there was no need. Really, I don't think I have anything to worry about. I'm okay. Whoever that guy was, I'm pretty sure he won't uh, be back. Because dead grandpas and a fucking bear are sitting there scaring them gra- off. That's what I said, grandpas. Right, two- literally, like, they, you don't have to come back because you got two people watching you already. Get the fuck out of here. What's the difference at this point? Right. Exactly. So took a few more go-arounds, but I eventually convinced them that I was safe. And I felt it, too, for the most part. After the initial shock had worn off and I'd had time to process what happened, I really was okay. I couldn't explain it. Couldn't tell anyone what happened without sounding crazy, but I knew it had been real. And I knew as long as I had Fran and Jock sitting on the shelf above my bed, I could sleep easy. A few days later, the cop did find the guy who broke in. He was a co-worker of my dad's who overheard he'd be out of town. He thought the house would be empty and easy pickings. When he tried to tell them about the two crazy guys upstairs and their violent threats, they rolled their eyes and laughed at him. He was very surprised to hear that only a 22-year-old woman had been in the house during his botched burglary attempt. When I returned home to my apartment a week later, Fran and Jock were with me. I kept them on the TV stand in the living room now where they have a full view of the front door. 
Whenever I start to feel a bit anxious about being alone, I'll give each bear a little squeeze and smile as they speak. I love you, Sadie. And now I respond. I love you both, too. I don't even know what to fucking say right now. Because I have a doll sitting right next to me, too. So it's like I can't <laughs> see? even... See? So I got you back without... I don't even know what to say right now, okay? Revenge is a dish best served cold, I suppose. And that's why she doesn't sleep in the room with me. So... <laughs> but that is why I kept that story in there. I read that story and I was like, holy fucking shit. That was either really good fiction or it actually is real and it happened to this person. Like, I don't even know... It's crazy that a little teddy bear, like something that's probably from Build-A-Bear, would have the, the ability to thwart off somebody. Like, it's insane. I don't even know what to say. It's just sweet because, like, it's both grandpas. You can't even say, like, like you're just lucky because, you know, both of them at the same time. And that I don't know. That story just got me and that was crazy. But I understood towards the end when they said that they felt like they were okay. Like, once you figured out that they were just protecting you, I would fucking bring them everywhere. They'd be everywhere with me. That's why they stay in her living room. Because that's where you need to... That, your home is where you're more than likely to have some shit go down, so... And look at that. It was a fucking person that they knew. A co-worker. People, like, be very careful who you tell you're going out of town to. Get yourself a Fran and Jock. You will never have to worry about anything. I don't think I ever want a teddy bear, though. So nobody ever get me one. Thanks, bye. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Not a talking one, anyway. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Our final who does that of season three. And it's very Halloween-y, but like not so Halloween-y. You'll see why. Uh, so it's not like more creepiness because my heart needs to no, go back no, into no. my chest this, and out of my butt. This will be something that you'll find quite entertaining. Okay, I found cool. this on UPI.com. Tiny crack disqualifies a pumpkin thought to be the largest in the United States. A tiny crack? A tiny crack. A crack. Does a crack mean you're not a pumpkin anymore? I don't I guess not. I guess the pumpkin has to be completely modified, like perfected, even though this pumpkin does not look like a normal pumpkin, like at all. So I will start. A Wisconsin farmer grew a... Okay, what's your guess in terms of weight for largest pumpkin? Um, I don't know. I'm going to guess like a couple hundred pounds, maybe like 100 or 200 pounds. Okay. A Wisconsin farmer grew a 2,520-pound pumpkin. So, like, 18 times more than you thought. 2,520-pound pumpkin. Believed that's to be like 2,520 is the amount of feet in a mile, I think. Like, that's a lot of pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. that's, like over a, that's over a ton. Yeah. Um, thought to be the, the, the biggest, the heaviest of the year. But it was disqualified from competition due to crack. Listen, this thing weighs 2,500 fucking pounds. No hu- like no human can be that size. A lot of machinery possibly is. One little fucking crack on that thing, I would have been like, you know what? Just for this effort, I'm going to overlook this. I mean, they probably this. cracked it trying to weigh it. Like... Jack the Pumpkin not- King right now would be seeking the most... That is so stupid. ...largest like, vengeance you've ever seen. This is really annoying me because I'm like, okay. So I, I, I knew you'd have a lot to I, say. If I get a pumpkin and it's fucking cracked, it's not a pumpkin. So like if I, I have, I have like 14 scars. Am I no longer a human because I have scratches? What is <laughs> what? What does that even mean? Mike Schmidt of Markison said he had been growing giant pumpkins for years. But this year marked the first time. It's just one like of a his, hobby. I grow giant pumpkins. Oh, no. It's a, he's a farmer. So like this is what <laughs> okay. he does. But um, it marked the first one of his gourds that surpassed 2,500 pounds. Schmidt's, again, 2,520-pound pumpkin is believed to be the largest grown in the U.S. this year, but it was disqualified from the competition due to, are you ready for this, 
a fingernail size crack in the vegetables Ooh, exterior. I, w- mm, I would be so fucking pissed. I got fingernail tell you. size, bro. Like even Cardi B's longest fingernails were maybe three, four inches on a two thousand five hundred. Do not warrant disqualifying a pumpkin as a pumpkin. That's like some. That is that is hatred right there. How much of a hard ass do you have to be to look at a twenty five hundred pound pumpkin and not be so blown over and impressed that they I'm would win? I'm kind of annoyed that they even found the crack because I'm like, why are you looking so hard? It's a fucking pumpkin and it weighs twenty five hundred pounds. Leave it alone. That's how. But that's my point. Like that's how hardcore. That is how hardcore these people were like this taking a microscope. This is definitely another member of the competition who had lost in previous years that was just being a mega hater. I'm envisioning like this person was a Wisconsin farmer and this is like ne- nemesis rival family from like a hundred right. years ago. And like right. they were like fingernail size. Like nope, their grandfathers didn't get along. So like 50, <laughs> 60 years later, like he's not allowed to have a pumpkin. Like it's so stupid. And then the grower, Mark. Uh, Mike, sorry. Mike said that the crack is believed to be a result of internal pressure from the pumpkin's large size. I mean, it's 2,500 fucking pounds. What do you think's going to happen? <laughs> if I was 2,500 pounds, I'd probably explode. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to hit like 500 pounds. Right, like, like, look what happens to people when they hit certain amount of, like, what do you mean? Of course it's internal pressure. Be surprised that that shit didn't blow up. For real. And the awkward way it was growing, the pumpkin could have earned Schmidt a $22,680 prize from a 2021 Safeway World Championship Pumpkin Wayoff in California, which offers a $9 per pound prize to the winner. If that crack had lost me $20,000, I'd want to fucking... That would be the biggest... I would murder everyone. I wouldn't... I would... No, you know what I would do? I would film it and be like playing a Smashing Pumpkin song and just fucking smash the shit out of it. However long it would take me, probably like three hours. I would put dynamite in it and blow it up (laughs) and just let everybody get splattered with the guts of the fucking pumpkin. Mr. Mike Schmidt here has a way better attitude. Mike said he is now looking toward the future. It happens. Quote, it happens. There's no crying in pumpkin growing, Schmidt told. There is. There is crying and losing $22,000, buddy. Yeah. Over a fingernail size crack. There is crying. I know I can do it again. So we just got to look forward to the future. End quote. You got until next Halloween, I suppose. I want to be on whatever drugs Mike Schmidt is on because for I real. Would, no, give me that I'll, happy pill. No, yeah, like give me that because yeah. no, maybe it's because I'm from New York and I'm hardened. But I would be really annoyed that I lost out on twenty two thousand dollars because you want to disqualify my pumpkin. The all time record for a pumpkin grown in the United States was set in twenty eighteen by Steve Geddes of Boscawin, New Hampshire, whose pumpkin tipped the scales at two thousand five hundred and twenty. Eight pounds. So this guy's oh, so pumpkin. Even. No, this guy's pumpkin was only eight, eight pounds, pounds away yeah. from the, from hitting all time You know what? I hope next record. year his pumpkin is two thousand five hundred and thirty pounds, and it has no scratches. And then he wins even more money because he gets nine dollars per pound. Well, I don't know about you, but Mike Schmidt, you won Halloween this year, in my opinion. So not you just won from my your imaginary twenty two thousand dollars <laughs> that I'm going to give you for your twenty five. They should do a GoFundMe, and we should raise that exact amount. Like, we're going <laughs> to give Mike his well earned dollars because that is discrimination against pumpkins, and I just I'm not for it. Tis the season to share wealth by giving people credit where credit is due I for Halloween-themed things, and that includes pumpkin growing. I want to know the pumpkin that won, because it was probably like a measly fucking pumpkin compared to this. Yeah, what was it, like a thousand pounds? Right, like a, a measly thousand pounds with its perfect thing and no scratches, and then it won way less money because nine dollars per pound at a thousand yeah. pounds 
is not twenty two. Yeah, and the second judge works for Safeway, so he didn't want to give out the money. Booyah. <laughs> oh, that's the, it's a conspiracy. Mike Schmidt, you need to, bur- you yeah. need to fucking I th- I burn down I smell a patriarchy. conspiracy theory. But it this is a is, conspiracy. But this is Wisconsin. They're going to let things go because they're super nice out there. I met someone from Milwaukee today and she was super nice. So she was so upset she got yelled at. She left for the day. I was like, wow, you're so sensitive because you're so not used to people yelling at Oh, New York, you. we just yell back. Oh, yeah. I would have, I was like, wow, I would have told them to go fuck I don't themselves. even know how some New Yorkers keep jobs because we just fucking yell at everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's facts. Or, or or we're passive aggressive and like eat their lunch out of the refrigerator that has their name on it and then act like we didn't do it. Facts. Or I've never the... done that to people, but people have done that to me. That's hilarious. But yeah, Mike Schmidt, you are the Halloween king this year, my friend. You are the pumpkin king. But anyways, um, this is it, folks, for season three. I hope that we ended on a high note. I feel like we did because I'm really freaked out still. So <laughs> And it's kind of like dark in your room right now. Yeah, so like, it's I'm super like, dark. If I was in your lighting, I would be freaking out. Oh my God, if you pull that doll out again, I swear I'm never talking to you again. Abigail Christine. wanted to say goodbye. <laughs> no. Goodbye. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Please like. And you can listen to all of our previous episodes because like we said, we will be back. If you guys have any suggestions for new episodes please continue to send them in because we will be back we will still we're not leaving forever i only have five months of school left i, I will just miss doing this every other week with you that's going to be the hardest part we're going to have to just set up zooms for no reason for sure it's going to be very weird this is the only time i see her besides when i've gone to physically visit it's nice seeing her face and seeing how she's doing yeah don't worry we're gonna do it but most importantly stay weird america's happy halloween happy bye. halloween bye <laughs>